This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe Welcome back to a brand new episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as Last Word on Sports.com. I'm your host as always, Jeremy Brand, and I'm bringing you two fantastic guests this week. Joining me first on the show will be strength and conditioning coach for a bunch of UFC's top stars, Tyler Melee Minton. This guy stops by to discuss his past He's also a mixed martial artist holding a 7-1 record, so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about a few of his fighters who have upcoming fights this weekend. Also joining me on the show is a man who has been on the show before. He is from Bachelorette fame. He also works for the UFC in their sales department. The cookie monster himself, Markel Martin, joins Sucker Radio in a little bit. This past weekend, the UFC made their debut in Glasgow, Scotland, and uh, it was a fun fight card, but needless to say, with the amount of great events we've had over the past couple weeks, or the great fights that we've had over the past couple weeks, this one sort of soared under the radar. In the main event, Michael Bisping took home a split decision against Talis Latis. A lot of people thought that Latis stole the show and uh, earned himself the decision. However, the judges did not. Two out of three believe Bisping won, thus him being the victor. In the co-main event, lightweight Evan Dunham took it to Ross Pearson. Not the most exciting fight in terms of performance-wise, but Dunham did what he had to do to defeat Ross Pearson. Also on the card, Joseph Duffy, the last man to beat Conor McGregor, defeated Ivan George, submission, triangle choke, at three minutes and five seconds of the very first round. And after, he was asked about Conor McGregor, and he has no, nothing in the future that says that he's going to go down to 145 pounds. So he's staying at lightweight. If McGregor makes the move up there, you never know, they could fight, but he's not moving down to featherweight. Uh, women's strawweight Joanne Calderwood uh, got back in the win column, defeating Courtney Casey via unanimous decision. This was a fun card. It was it was fun top to bottom. It was it was a good card overall. We had some knockouts, some TKOs, some submissions, and a lot of decisions. But overall, the UFC made a trip to Glasgow, Scotland, for the first time, and this is something that. Is, is pretty exciting to see them moving globally all over the place. The big news of the week, and and it comes with, not with sad hearts, but it, it comes, it sort of came out of the blue on on Monday. Jacob Stitch Duran, the, the world-renowned cut man for the UFC and, and mixed martial arts games out there, um, spoke out about the UFC Reebok deal. And, and basically what he said was that he's going to have to look into boxing because boxers pay him, um, the fighters pay him. 
So he, he basically gets to deal and tend to how much he's making. And uh, those words did not go over well. They did not bide well with the UFC brass. And on Tuesday, we found out that he was released from the organization. He will no longer be the cut man for UFC events, which, yes, there are cut men and cut women out there um, doing the exact same thing as this guy. No, he's, he's, he's not, they, they're not a dime a dozen by no means. He is the best of the best, and he's the most well-known and most recognizable cut man out there. And it sucks because we saw fights like Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald a couple weeks back. And if, if we didn't have cut men like Jacob Stitch Duran to, to fix up guys in between rounds, then uh, that fight might have been stopped a lot earlier. I know up here in Vancouver, it, it sucks as well because uh, corner men, which they like to call seconds, are the guys that have to do the cut man work, which is, is ridiculous in itself because they have absolutely no qualifications to applying, you know, the ice packs and, and all this other kind of stuff that, that Stitch does. So it sucks that the UFC is losing this guy. I know there's a lot out there on Twitter and, and on Facebook and all the other social media outlets stating that they are rather pissed off that this happened, and and they just believe that UFC is a monopoly, and how can they not with the way things have gone down over the past little while with this whole Reebok deal? This weekend, it is Fight Week once again, live on the Big Fox this time, UFC on Fox 16, we get to finally see TJ Dillashaw take on Henan Barrow, number two, second time, rematch, TJ Dillashaw looking to defend that title and prove that the first time these guys stepped inside the octagon and he had his way with Burrell was not a fluke. The four-fight main card also features Jessica I versus Misha Tate in a huge, huge battle in the women's bantamweight division. It, it could have potentially title implications on the line. And uh, the countdown show showed a different side of Jessica I that I had never seen before. And, and as a lot of people out there listening to the show, we've had Misha Tate on the show before. We've never had Jessica I on. I am a big Misha Tate fan. But Jessica I, uh, something about that countdown show has, uh, has gotten me to become quite the fan. Uh, also on this four-fight main card, Edson Barbosa versus Paul Felder and Takanor Gomi versus Joe Lozon. We had Roxanne Modafferi interview uh, Tom Lawler earlier in the week. That piece was featured over on the UG. It's been picked up by numerous sources out there. Congratulations to Roxy on, on that awesome interview. And Tom Lawler will be taking on John Volante on the preliminary portion, basically what they call the main event prelim, also on the Big Fox Network. So this card goes down Saturday 1.15 Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, there'll be four fights on UFC Fight Pass, followed by four fights on the Big Fox as a preliminary card. And then at 5 o'clock Pacific Time, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, the four-fight main card kicks off. I said last week that I was going to talk a little bit about Battlefield Fight League 
Um, 37, which goes down also on Saturday night, live from the Hard Rock Casino in Coquitlam, British Columbia. I'll do that a little bit later on in the show, but right now I'm going to get into my first guest right after this. And morale has not lost in almost a decade. The highly anticipated championship rematch. Dillashaw battles Morale in the World Bantamweight Championship on Fox. Kenan Morale desperately wants revenge. It's the rematch everyone's been waiting for. He wants that belt back badly. UFC Fight Night, live Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, free on Fox. Joining me now is nutrition guru, professional MMA fighter, and according to his Twitter, he is a child of God, husband, and entrepreneur. Please welcome Tyler Mele Minton to the show. Tyler, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it, man. Good, good to be here. Now, just take us back. Tell us how you got into the sport of mixed martial arts. Oh man, it was it was kind of a long journey. Uh, I, I started off kind of that that typical kid that got picked on story. You know, I spent most of my life getting picked on, uh, things like that. I was a little little fat kid. Uh, you know, grew up without much money, anything like that. Uh, wasn't a cool kid. Kind of kept to myself. Um, and that was pretty much the, the the same thing my entire life. So I discovered wrestling in high school. Um, I, I played sports my entire life, but honestly, I sucked at them all. <laughs> I'm just just not an athletic guy, and you know. I was uh, very slow, not fast, anything like that. Uh, then I discovered wrestling, which is a sport where, it, it, you know, your success in wrestling is directly correlated to how much work you put in. Um, and if there was one thing, you know, all my coaches growing up would say about me, you know, I wasn't the most athletic, but I was always going to work hard. I was always the kid in football, staying after, trying to run extra, trying to do, ex- you know, catch extra passes, things like that. Well, wrestling, man, you, you can you can be the less talented wrestler, the less athletic wrestler, and if you outwork the other guy, you're still going to win. Um, you know, and I had a lot of success with wrestling um, due to that. Um, I would always outwork my opponents and that. So then when wrestling was over, I was just kind of looking for an avenue of competition. Um, at the college, I, I saw some guys later on. Uh, I was there just to do some workouts. I saw some guys on the, on the mats in the middle doing takedowns, and I, I walked up to them and asked if I could join them. Um, you know, they, they told me, sure, why not? So I walk in, start working takedowns with them. And next thing I know, one of them's got their legs wrapped around my neck, uh, you know, choking with a triangle. And at the time, I thought they were just wrestlers. I had no idea that they were actually mixed martial artists. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I flipped out for a little while because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, you know, and they kind of told me about what they were, what they were doing, and, and things like that, invited me to the gym. Uh, I went to the gym, tried it out, um, really loved it. It reminded me a lot of wrestling. Ended up doing my first fight about three weeks later. Wow. Um, at that time, there were same-day weigh-ins, all of that craziness. Was that um, professional or amateur at that point? It was amateur. It was amateur. It was in Kentucky. So uh, I ended up, I weighed 200 pounds. I cut from 200 to 170 in one week. Uh, weighed in and had to fight two hours later. Uh, well, I, actually, I won in seven seconds, uh, so I decided I was going to keep trying it. Uh, took another fight a couple months later, same thing, cut from 200 to 170 in a week. So stupid. Uh, <laughs> same day weigh-in, same day weigh-ins again. Uh, took that fight, uh, won it in like 42 seconds. So again, I just kind of, you know, I, I decided I would still try to get at this point in my life. It was just something I was trying. Uh, my third fight, um, at the last minute, my opponent backed out. It was I got the 24-hour weigh-in, but same thing, cut a lot of weight. Uh, 
24-hour weigh-in, or 24-hour weigh-in, but then 24 hours before my opponent backed out. She ended up sticking me with this guy who was just an absolute animal. Um, one of the most athletic people I've ever met in my entire life. He uh, was supposed to absolutely destroy me. I remember at weigh-ins, my friends and stuff looking at each other, and I knew what they were saying in their heads, and they later told me that they just, you know, like I was going to get killed. What ended up three round war, uh, we beat the snot out of each other. Uh, both ended up in the hospital afterwards. I won the fight, and after that, I was hooked. I know that sounds really odd, but I just knew that I'd found a sport that, that I could actually compete with. So, you know, the rest is history. I, I pretty much changed my life to the point um, that no matter what I could, no, you know, no matter what I was doing, I could always be training. Um, you know, I, I changed my job. I quit my job. Uh, Everything I could do just to just to fully dive my, my myself into the world of mixed martial arts. I guess that uh, those guys throwing their legs up and around your neck really stuck with you because of your wins on SureDog, all of them are via submission. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, SureDog don't have my an accurate one. Uh, made up TV is a little bit more accurate, but um, yeah, most of them most of them are submissions. Uh, I've got a few. I got a few decisions. Yeah, my latest was a TKO. But uh, yeah, man, uh, submissions, it's always always kind of been something I was kind of naturally gravitated to. So on SureDog, it says your last fight was November 2014. That's obviously not correct. You said the last one was via TKO. This one says submission. When was your last outing? Um, it was just about two months ago. Um, I actually won, I think, like uh, two minutes in, uh, TKO with elbows. So you're still actively pursuing this mixed martial arts career. It's not just a side gig to your nutrition and your, and your CrossFit stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's something I'm still doing. I'm not doing anything like I was. Um, you know, I just kind of found found my passion here lately, especially as it lies with the fighters that I'm working with. You know, it's more in the realm of nutrition and strength conditioning. Uh, I'm having a blast doing it. Uh, but the thing is, you know, you, you can't be great at more than one thing and, and, and you know, put all of your attention in it. Uh, so for right now, I'm putting a little bit more attention into this. Uh, you know, if a big fight comes, something like that, or, or one I just don't want to say no to, you know, yeah, of course I'll take it. And I, I'm continuing to train and everything just because it's something I enjoy and something I love. Uh, but the majority of my attention right now is, is actually with uh, strength, conditioning, and nutrition for myself and for other fighters. Yeah, and that's how I found out about you is, is this strength and conditioning and nutrition thing. I get the emails from Iridium Sports. Um, management team saying that, you know, Tyler Minton, he's the guy who handles uh, Timothy Elliott, Zach Cummings, James Krause. Now, these are some big-name stars. How how did you hook up into the whole nutrition side of things? Uh, well, with nutrition, it was kind of like, a, kind of the same way I did uh, MMA as far as uh, kind of the hard way. Um, you know, like I said, I, I grew up the fat kid, things like that. It's not very good at things. So I, I quickly learned that in order to change that, I had to, you know, change myself. I changed the, you know, change my activity, change my my diet, things like that. So I started studying it. Well, you know, it it was a little bit of a different world than what I was used to. Um, one, you know, one thing that I feel like makes me a, a good nutrition coach and things like that. I'm not one of these guys that that everything came easy for. I, you know. I've, I'm not one of these that's just, oh, well, you know, it's natural because that guy, that guy's always looked like that. It's just not the case. Um, you know, so I started really paying attention to nutrition, things like that. Um, you know, just basically for myself. Well, uh, there wasn't much on fighter nutrition. I was, I was studying basic nutrition. And in this day and age, everybody's promoting this low-carb diet, things like that. Um, and that was kind of where I was at. 
Well, uh, sure enough, you know, a few problems. I had a few problems with weight cuts myself. Uh, ended up having a weight cut that sent me to the hospital for two weeks. Um, I literally almost died. Uh, I was cutting weight. I uh, couldn't talk, couldn't see. I was actually putting eye drops in my eyes just to get some, some you know, moisture in my eyes so I could see. Wow. I was swish water in my mouth just to get some moisture. Uh, my tongue was bleeding where it was drying out. I remember I, I wrote a note uh, to my wife. <laughs> like I really thought I was going to die. It was, it was the worst feeling in the entire world. Um, man, and, 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 and I did, I, you know, I almost died. I went into kidney fatigue, adrenal fatigue, almost kidney failure, almost adrenal failure. Um, it was horrible. I ended up having to take several months off, um, not just training, but everything. I was pretty much on bed rest for several months. Um, and right then and there, it just kind of hit me, you know, like something's got to give. Uh, so I sought out, uh, some mentors, uh, Rob Wolf, who's one of the, the, the world's leading nutritional biochemists. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, the the creator of uh, or the the author of Paleo Solution. It's a big a big book on uh, Paleolithic eating, and uh, he helped me a lot and mentored me and things like that. And and the thing that I you know I, I started to see was you know, the, the, this whole low carb living and things like that. That's great for the average person just trying to lose weight, but we're athletes and we're not just athletes. We're high intensity athletes. You know we need carbs and we need a lot of them. Uh, so I started embracing that lifestyle and watched my body change tremendously. Uh, everything changed. Uh, you know, I started sleeping more. I was having, I was one of those, I was, I was working cause I just opened up my own gym too. So I was a busy guy. I just got married. All those things happened at the same time, which led to my overtraining. Um, you know, I started sleeping eight to 10 hours a night. Um, you know, started, started actually giving up clients, making less money just to have more time to sleep, more time to myself. Uh, to de-stress and man, I just watched every my, everything in my life change. Uh, so then, man, I, I started finding other fighters who were having the same problems. I met Zach Cummings, um, you know, through the Ultimate Fighter through Ultimate Fighter tryouts. Uh, Zach took me with him to uh, Portland to train with Chell Sun, and and uh, while I was with those guys, I just kind of started helping them out a lot. Uh, we were just in the in in this room together. We had all rented this room in Portland to train with Chell. And, uh, you know, some of those guys started picking my brain and things like that and, and started to realize that, you know, I, I knew a lot about what I was talking about. Uh, well, then Zach ends up, uh, you know, making his debut with the UFC and hires me, decides to hire me. And you have this guy who, you know, is known to walk, walk between 230 and 250 pounds, never fought at 170, makes his UFC debut at 170 and looks amazing. Um, yeah. You know, six-pack, normally not a six-pack guy, has a six-pack easy weight cut, you know, he's posting pictures of, you know, he's eating a lot. Uh, and then, man, I just started getting calls. Uh, several of my teammates started hiring me, uh, James, Tim, those guys. And then, you know, James hired me once. Uh, he was walking about 195 pounds, and he only had a few weeks to make 155. And I helped him, um, you know, helped him with that. Uh, anybody who watched the Jamie Varner fight saw how massive James was compared to Varner. Um, you know, and my here my guys are waking up the day of weigh-ins and eating breakfast uh so yeah you know we just i just started getting more and more calls more and more people interested in it kind of became more of a a full-time thing would you rather these guys not be heavier um coming into a few weeks out like is that something i know you said you you dropped from 200 to 170 in just under a week's time kind of thing is is that something that you discourage your fighters from doing absolutely that was that was horribly stupid, and that's one of the things that led, you know, doing that for for you know a couple of years is what ended up leading to my 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 health issues later on. 
I was doing that by not eating. And, and you would be surprised how many fighters are doing this. Weight cutting is such a prehistoric thing. It's, it's unreal. Um, I would eat nothing but broccoli for a week. That's how I was doing it. And, you know, then the more and more fighters I meet, there's so many fighters doing that. Fighters not drinking water for two days. Um, fighters not eating for a week or only eating vegetables for, it's just absolutely silly. And there's so many fighters, even at UFC level, still doing this. I'm um, not, you know, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I've talked with several UFC guys who are still using this method. Um, and it was just silly. Yeah. You know, ideally that that's not, you're never going to need to cut that much weight. Like my guys right now, um, you know, James will cut, James will end up cutting about 20 pounds this week. That being said, James is fully fed, fully hydrated. Zach will end up cutting between 20 and 25 this week. They're both fighting on UFC in Chicago. Uh, they're both, you know, both drinking lots of water, eating plenty of food. Um, you know, so they're, you know, they have that weight to give up. They're going to eat all the way up. You know, they'll, they'll eat the day of weigh-ins. Uh, they'll drink water the day of weigh-ins. So, you know, the, the game's changed. When when you say these guys hire you on, how far out are you with them day-to-day? And it depends. It depends on, on what level they want to use me. Some guys actually just hire me out to actually write uh, a program for them. Okay. And I'll send them the program. Uh, guys like James and Zach, uh, you know, these guys are, are my best friends. Um, I normally I'll actually come in and move in with them um, and help them out weeks in advance. Uh, you know, help them out with their with their fight camp things like that. I'm actually here in Tennessee right now, uh, helping them for their their fight this weekend because it helps me being around them too. Um, you know, it helps me with my own training. And, and like I said, these are you know James and Zach, especially two of my best friends in the world. Uh, you know, so I will be alone. But generally, I'm with them for about four weeks before. And you said you were down in Portland training with uh, Chael and Zach and those guys. What do you still keep in contact with Chael Sonnen? Yeah, honestly, about every day uh, I, I talk to him here daily. <laughs> do you think he's completely done with mixed martial arts? Uh, I don't, man, you can't tell. <laughs> I know what he says. I know what he says, but no one knows. Um, I, I believe he says he is, and I believe him. Um, you know, he just he just had a kid, things like that. So. I think his, his world's changed a little bit. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him back. Um, you know, it, it would be it would be amazing. I'm sure he'd work his way into a title fight within minutes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just it's it's one of those things. I you know I, I love him as a fighter, but I you know love him as a person more. So I want to do what's best for him and his family. Now the big names in in mixed martial arts nutrition, obviously Mike Dolce, he's the one that everyone knows. Recently, yeah. a big name that's been brought up is George Lockhart, and and these guys sort of battle with each other. They're they're they butt heads. Um, what what differs you from these two guys? Yeah, well, man, number one, you'll you'll never hear me butt heads with Dolce or Lockhart or any of those guys. It's you know, in my opinion, it's silly, um, you know, to to, to argue with these guys because. You know, our methods may be different, but if they're taking a fighter who used to starve themselves all week and, and helping them make weight, you know, safely and healthily, then kudos, that's great. Um, you know, it might be someone I'm not working with, but still it's a fighter who might not die that week because they're, they were cutting good. Um, you'll never hear me say anything you know, negative about those guys. And I've met them both and, and talked to them both. Um, George Lockhart actually helped me at one time, uh, uh, tremendously, um, you know, we we've trained together down in Atlanta, things like that. He's a really good guy. Nothing but good things to say about him. And then Dolce, I've I've seen him at different events and talked to him on the phone a few times. We have a lot of mutual friends and, and contacts. Um, you know, and Dolce gets a lot of hate and things like that. But no matter what, you know, his successes, his failures, whatever, 
you know, the guy's the the godfather of, of nutrition when it comes to MMA. You know, he, he kind of changed the game. He got guys looking at other ways to do it and things like that. So you'll never hear me say anything negative. Uh, we do. We differ a little bit. Um, that's what I was. That's what I was meaning. Is is obviously you don't want to butt heads, but what what differs yeah, you yeah. from them nutrition wise? Uh, I, I'm a little bit more thorough, um, you know. And again, that's not saying anything negative. I, I'm a little bit more um, detail oriented, um, you know. And so it depends on the on the guy too. Some guys they don't want those details. Some do. Um, I probably do a little bit more carbs than, than a lot of the a lot of the guys do, um, and you'll see that you know. But you know, I don't I don't know tons about their methods, um, so it's one of those. It's hard for me to really to really pick theirs apart because everybody's just when we do interviews or when we do articles, we only vaguely talk about what we do. Yeah. Um, until until someone bashes you, you know, like <laughs> BJ Penn with Dolce and. Uh, you know, I can say I, I do nothing like that, but at the same time, you know, God only knows if, if BJ's account's accurate. So, um, again, I don't know a whole lot about their message just because everybody kind of keeps them a little bit under wraps. And at the same but, uh, time, I mean, it, it, it's got to be like a fighter going uh, sort of cross-training at different training camps. If if nutritionists got together, they could all learn something from one another. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of what I was saying with the negativity and what I hate. There, there's stuff to be learned from everybody. You know, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't read, you know, about everything that, that Dolce puts out. Um, you know, it would be, it'd be silly to think otherwise. Uh, you know, he follows me on Twitter. I follow him. And, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure he's looking at some of the stuff I say. I'm looking at stuff he say. He says, um, you know, it, it's to me that that's the way you get better. We all learn from someone. So to sit there and say you can't learn from the competitors, it's, you know, to me it's arrogant and ignorant. You are the owner of your own gym, as you said, CrossFit and Melee Strength and Conditioning Gym. What are your your thoughts on these people that that trash the CrossFit uh, sort of phase that's going on? Um, man, you know, owning CrossFit, I, I hear it all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of negativity. Um, you know, I, I compare you know CrossFit in a way to the Atkins diet, um, just because of the fact that that's a diet that one time it saved thousands and thousands of lives. Uh, a thousand thousands of lives, but then all of a sudden you started getting all this negative heat from it. But when it's all said and done, you know, there, there's life changed. I will say, I think CrossFit is the single greatest thing that ever happened to fitness. Um, you know, for the first time ever, you have people doing weight, you know, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, gymnastics that would have never done those things before. Um, a lot of the, the, the negativity you hear from CrossFit is from CrossFit done wrong. Um, same thing with MMA, you know, the, these, you know, backyard brawls and stuff that you see, that's not it, mate. Um, you know, CrossFit's like any other business. There's going to be bad apples in, in the community, but there's also some really good ones. Uh, you know, and I know, you know, in my heart and with a shadow of doubt that my gym is one of those. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have people doing things they shouldn't be doing. You know, we, we assess people's, uh, you know, their form, their mobility, their mechanics, all of those things before we just let you loose and, and try to kill you. You know, we, uh, we train everybody for, for longevity. We don't, you know, we don't try to kill clients. So, again, you know, there's a lot of negativity in there. A lot of it's from people who don't really know what they're talking about. Um, and a lot of the ones that, that do, they're kind of, they're, they're nitpicking bad examples that they've seen. Um, as far as MMA, I will agree. I don't think it's ideal for MMA fighters. Um, I don't have any of the fighters that I work with or, or consult with. I don't have them doing CrossFit or really anything like CrossFit. 
uh, CrossFit's an, an intensity sport of its own. Um, you know, that would be like practicing football to get better at MMA, in my opinion. That's absolutely silly. You know, for an MMA fighter, their conditioning is sparring, their conditioning is, is wrestling, things like that. Um, in the weight room, they're, or, you know, in the gym, their goal is going to be to improve their strength, their speed, their agility, things like that. But, you know, someone like, like Zach or James, it benefits them in no way possible um, for their MMA fights to actually be in the gym trying to work on a muscle up or something like that. Um, so I'll, I'll agree with those saying that CrossFit's bad for MMA fighters, but those that are trying to say CrossFit's you know bad in general are, are usually you know very very misinformed. Let's just talk about your fighters a little bit here. This past weekend, we saw Timothy Elliott win the inaugural Titan FC Flyweight Championship. How excited were you for him? Man, that was awesome, and that was the most. I don't know if you've seen it. That was the most exciting fight I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, Tim is he is a different character. Um, Dustin Poirier was present and actually asked me. Um, he goes, "Man, you know, is that guy really hard to coach?" And you know, I said, "Well, if, you know, of course." Do you think James actually? You know, speaking of James Craft, do you, do you think he actually teaches that kind of stuff? Well, no, absolutely not. But it works for Tim. Uh, you know, Tim is a buzzsaw. Uh, I, I highly, highly believe you'll see him back in the UFC, and it's a shame. It's a shame he's gone. But uh, man, he, he's one of the most exciting fighters in the world. That was. I was ecstatic. It was such a cool fight. It was good for him too, man, because he just went out there and had fun. And I think that was evident. He didn't care what happened. Um, he's that guy who goes out and takes chances. He's not in there to win. Um, he don't. He don't play the point system. He goes in there to have fun and, and to entertain, which is his job. To me, that's awesome. For sure, yeah. And despite, I mean, UFC, he was cut because of a three-fight losing skid. Yeah. I saw a lot of people following this this victory here at Titan FC say that he deserves to be back inside the octagon. So just one victory, and and a lot of people are already saying he should be back there. Yeah, man. I, you know, I think you, I don't think the one will do it. I think it'll take another couple. Uh, but that being said, Tim's the guy who will do that. Um, you know, he'll go out on on these other big shows and. And, and take wins just like he's doing, you know, having fun, entertaining, you know, and I, I would be very, very surprised if you don't see him back within a year. This weekend, you have James Krause and Zach Cummings on the UFC on Fox 16 card in Chicago. What's your favorite part of fight week um, being with these athletes? Man, my, my favorite part of fight week, gosh, that, that's a hard one. It's, it's fun in general. Honestly, the, the community aspect of it, um, it's just, it's such a cool thing being a part of it. You know, the UFC, you know, we were talking about CrossFit, UFC gets a lot of hate, you know, hate too, that they don't care for the fighters, things like that. But when you're there for the week of, you get to see, you know, a lot of what the UFC does do. You get to see the processes, um, things like that. And it's just really exciting to be a part of that. Um, it's exciting to, you know, hang out with your guys because literally, you know, there's not a whole lot to do. Uh, you know, you're put in a hotel room. These guys have a lot of, you know, interviews, signings, things like that, that they have to do. So, you know, they're, they're very busy. So you actually spend a lot of time together hanging out and things like that. Uh, so, you know, you all get closer during that time. You know, it's just a, it's cool. It's like, it's like going to summer camp or something. For a week. <laughs> it's just a, it's a great time. You're surrounded by fighters, you know, surrounded by positivity. You know, it, it's just a, it's an awesome thing. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of it. It's just that weight coat week. And it sucks for the fighters, you know, and, you know, the, 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 week of a fight, you know, we do wake up as, as healthy as possible. You know, my guys are eating and drinking all the time. Still, they're not eating and drinking necessarily as much as they want or, as, or what they want. 
Um, but we still make it a fun time, man. And that's what's cool. All right. You bringing up that, uh, the fighters, you know, having to deal with media and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask because I've spoken to fighters on fight week just days before the weigh-ins. How much does that actually mentally weigh on the fighters having to spend time with the media and do all this social interaction while they're weight cutting? It it does, man. It it really, it has a, a pretty large effect on the fighters actually. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, some of you know, some media aren't as as polite and as others, and some of them want to ask kind of personal questions. And that week, your you know, your job is to make weight fight, and it is you know, part of your job is to deal with the media and things like that. But it's exhausting, you know. Every ounce of energy these guys have needs to be saved for that weight cut, and at that point, they feel that. Um, anything they're having to do, it's taken away from that energy a bit. Um, so it is tough, you know, some guys absolutely love it. It's one thing James and Zach are really good with it. You know, they, I've never heard them turn one down. Um, I just always try to make sure if it's a, uh, if it's an in-person interview, the person will either come to the room or, or meet us when we have to go somewhere else. I'll, I try not to get my guys to have to, you know, go anywhere for one just cause I want them to relax. But, uh, you know, it, it does weigh heavy on them, but it's still, it's, it's part of the job and it's something that a lot of guys, they understand that and they have fun doing it. So. All right, final question for you here. James Krause, Zach Cummings, how do you see both these fights playing out? Um, I'm going to be very particular with Zach's. I think Zach wins by a choke. Um, wow. Because <laughs> Zach is the best. Man, I, I've trained with world champions, um, Abu Dhabi champions. I've trained with some of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world, and, and Zach has the absolute best choke in the world. It's it's absolutely absurd. Uh, the guy he's fighting... Um, just with the guy's style, I could just see that working out. But if we're just going to be basic with it, you know, I, I think Zach will win by submission. Uh, James, man, James is coming out with a different fire for this fight. Um, you know, anybody who watched the same style fight, they they saw someone, <laughs> you know, just coming out of the woodwork. It was I was actually I didn't know James at the time. I, I was a huge same style fan, and I remember when they announced who he was fighting, I was thinking this guy's going to get killed. <laughs> like he has no business being the being in the ring with this guy. And after a round, I was pulling for James. Um, you know, he, he's a very exciting fighter. Um, he's coming to this fight with a little bit different attitude. Um, you know, his last couple of fights, he's gone in there. You know, they've been tough decisions. His last one, you know, several people thought he won. Uh, but I promise he's not coming into this fight with anything on his mind except finishing Crookshank. Uh, you know, he's training for that. He's training He's training to come out and, and have that kind of that killer mentality like he did with Sam Stout. Uh, and I see that happen. James also is a, a stud submission expert. Uh, and I, 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 my prediction um, is the same as with Zach. I, I think I think James actually submits him. Uh, I think it'll be a bit later. I'm, I'm predicting round one with Zach. James maybe a little bit later, just because of the fact Darren Crookshank is a veteran. Um, you know, he he knows that James is the greatest submissions. He's trained for that. But you know, I think they both win by submission. I think one. I think you'll see a, a five, uh, one of the, a bonus for one of them as well. So. He is Tyler Mele Minton, professional MMA fighter, performance nutrition coach of some of the UFC and MMA's best. Tyler, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Um, right now, man, I've, I've got a website that's under construction. It, it's going to be up, but that's themeleway.com, T-H-E-M-E-L-E-E-W-A-Y.com. Um, you know, Twitter, that's uh, at themeleway. Same thing with Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook. 
uh, pretty easy guy to find with, with things like that. I'm, I'm pretty vocal on social media, uh, sometimes more than I should be. <laughs> but, um, you know, very easy to find as far as that goes. And hopefully within a few weeks, the, the website will be live and going. Just explain the website. What, what's going to be on it and, and what can people uh, expect to see? Oh, the website's going to have a blog as far as, you know, I'm going to be posting articles and we'll have guest posts. I've actually got some really good guests um, already lined up, some of the best in the business, things like that, um, that people can look forward to actually seeing from. Um, we're working on a podcast uh, of my own, actually, kind of sports uh, nutrition and performance podcast. Um, it'll have a lot about me uh, and, and my background and things like that, just because, Again, you know, I have a uh, I have a background that's different than a lot of guys in this profession. Uh, you know, I'm one of those that suffered from a lot of the things that the guys are coming for me for. Um, you know, have things like that. It'll also be a, an avenue for my consulting and and for people can actually come in and, and contact me to purchase diet plans, um, you know, strength conditioning programs, things like that. It'll pretty much be a catch-all for my business, so it'll be really I'm really excited about it. Awesome! I can't wait to see it, Tyler. All the best, and and good luck to your fighters this weekend. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The champion, Ronda Rousey. Rowdy, Ronda Rousey, and Kohea both unbeaten inside the octagon. They hate each other, and they're going to fight with the women's bantamweight title on the line. Oh, whoa! This man is the sponsorship sales coordinator for the UFC. You obviously know the name. He's been all over the place these days. Markel Martin, former Bachelorette contestant, current owner of a wicked company that we're going to chat about in a little bit, Social Cookie. Uh, he is Markel Martin. Thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Good to be back. It's great to have you back. I mean, at first <laughs> I was like, you know... We don't need to have Markel Martin back on the show. We had him on when he was the Bachelorette. We had him on when he was. It was just heading into Bachelor in Paradise. But you know, right. I figure we'll have you on as sort of this recurring guest because you are a part of the UFC. You do go to the fights, and and why not talk fights with a guy who's there and live in action? I I, I love it. I I appreciate it every time I get the chance to you know talk about what I do. So it's it's, it's a good time and. You know, I, I thought when you called me, it was a mistake that you wanted to have me on, but uh, clearly uh, <laughs> we, we found some sort of friendship throughout throughout it all. So that's it, good. Exactly. We did. We did, for sure. <laughs> and, and we text back and forth now and then just, just to see how things are going, and, and I saw you at events and whatnot, and, and, and it's really cool to keep in contact with you to see how you're progressing and how things are going with you. Yeah, uh, great, great. Actually, um, you know, I, I've I've moved up from coordinator to uh, manager of sales for the U.S. So uh, that's that's awesome for the UFC uh, since we last spoke. Um, yeah, so just grinding, man, on on UFC business. Obviously, you know, uh, we just had had a few huge fights. Uh, one namely uh, UFC 189, um, and then on on the side. You know my passion project, if you will. When I get home late at night after work, I go to my commissary kitchen and I start baking. So I live <laughs> kind of two lives right now. So no real free time, but just just working away. I figure I'm, I'm single and I might as well take advantage of it of the time I have. I don't know about no free time. I saw your Instagram the other night and you were you were rocking some fun bowling moves there. 
Oh, see, you know what's funny? That was actually work. Oh, jeez. We have uh, <laughs> we have a, a, a intern event every year when we have uh, our interns in, and they get to invite you know whomever they want uh, throughout the company. So it's about twenty you know, uh, employees from the UFC matched up with 20, uh, 20 or so, uh, interns. So we have like a little bowling mixer. So, you know, I had to show off for the interns just a little bit. We actually had bets cause I like, I like to bet a lot. I'm very competitive, uh, not gambling so much, but, <laughs> um, so we, we bowled for pushups. Made my interns do a lot of push-ups that day. No, that no kidding. Now, you mentioned <laughs> UFC 189. You were there. I saw some pictures of you. What an event to be at. I mean, you saw probably what was one of the best mixed martial arts fights in UFC history between Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald. What were your thoughts when you were watching this blood fest go on? Yeah, it, it was just historic. Like, that is what I always kind of knew about a little bit prior to me working at the UFC and then was waiting to really see um, that magnitude of an event and that magnitude of, of a fight in person. And the, the Rory Lawler fight was exactly that. Like I didn't know if those guys were just going to both throw in the towel, the towel or just come out and hug and just say, you know what? We beat each other up <laughs> enough. Um, but they just have, have heart of, heart of, uh, heart of a lion, man. So it was very inspiring to see, um, and just kind of being in that presence in the arena at that time is something that you can't really describe, you know what I mean? From a TV viewer perspective, it's totally different. And you're almost just feeling the energy and the, the effort that the guys are putting in there in the octagon. Yeah, no kidding. And then it went from that, and you think, how can that be outdone? And the main event, before the main event even happens, <laughs> they have Sinead O'Connor singing Conor McGregor's friggin' walkout <laughs> song. What was being in the arena for that like? Gosh, so, yeah, <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, and just her her being there, and uh, that song, I can't recall the, the name of it, but I was completely captivated by you know, the, the showmanship of it all. And I know, you know, from being at, with the UFC for almost three years now, you know, we've never done anything like that, you know? So I, that's when I knew that, Hey, this, I'm a part of history right now. This fight will always be remembered and always be at the top. When you're talking about, you know, greatest uh, fight cards of all time, UFC 189 is just that. And Sinead O'Connor just, just killed it, man. She was awesome. And then once you see, Connor, uh, Connor's face on the in venue screen, the the crowd erupted, especially uh, the Irish fans there. Yeah, and uh, that that's crazy. I mean, there was a ton of Ireland, uh, not only fans from Ireland, but obviously Irish proud Americans in the crowd. It, it had to be something spectacular to see that much love for one person. Right. Yeah, it, and, and that's what. You know, a, a star like Connor, you know, uprising star. I, I think he he's definitely a star. Uh, you know, without question, right now, is that's what he brings to the table. Like the whole, you know, country almost, yeah, and and Irish Americans and and just people who who res- respect his culture and who he's fighting for. It's it's just it's crazy because you just know that when he's walking out, 
it's not just about himself. And that's what I felt is just, okay, he's out here and he has something to prove not only for himself, but, but for, for his people, you know, because everyone knows about the, the fighting Irish. And that was something that I was interested to see. I, I just wanted to see that culture and how they, they respond. And this, it goes it to show you just how us being a global sport in the UFC, you know, people get behind, you know, someone who they can relate to, who's maybe from the same origin, same culture, uh, and, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because you do, I mean, I heard Chad Mendez say this, that he wishes Americans were like that and, and other countries were like that. You don't see that for for many fighters where their entire yeah. country gets behind them, but obviously <laughs> Ireland is, is country proud. Very, uh, very much a, a lot of, a lot of country pride uh, going on. And, and it's funny, you know, I, I think you see it in, in America just not to that level of, of passion. I think sometimes, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, from just my own personal uh, viewpoints on this, <laughs> I think we get kind of spoiled with the, the spectacle of all of our athletes and, you know, America is kind of, kind of known. Um, so sometimes we don't see it the same way or we don't have that same passion. I say, you know, if anything, Americans kind of get behind our our athletes more if it's like the Olympics yeah. or, or the World Cup, yeah. something like that. That's when you feel that same presence. But just from a, a day-to-day or, or, or week-to-week, you know, uh, American sport uh, fan, you don't see that kind of passion. But on Ireland is, is another story. I kind of thought about it when, you know, uh, people from the Philippines, Filipinos, and Manny Pacquiao, right? Yeah, it's just a sure. whole lot of lot of pride, and 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 there's much more than than just a sport. It's the story of how people were raised and how people grew up, and you know what the times were like, be it good, bad, and different. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. It's definitely something that you know Chad Mendez pointed out, and I'd like to see more of that at our at our fights, um, at our events, and, and other sports as well. You're not a guy that, as I've followed along with you for about the last year or so on social media, you're not a guy that that really nerds out when it comes to taking pictures with with celebrities and whatnot. But at <laughs> UFC 189, you had to get your shot taken with uh, Laura Preplin from that '70s show and Orange Is the New Black. Uh, how cool was that? Yeah, you know what? You have it absolutely right. I'm never uh, that type of that type of person. Not to say it's, it's bad or anything, but I never really get starstruck. And uh, uh, when I saw her, I saw her earlier on in the fight. I was, I was kind of, you know, octagon side, and I was like, oh shoot, that's uh, orange is the new black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's I uh, call her. And then she passed by, like in between bouts. I said, you know what? I have I have to get a shot with her. Like I think she's awesome from. From that '70s show to Orange Is the New Black, I just really respect her as, you know, within her craft as an actress, and I think she's amazing. And I said, "Hey, I binge watched Orange Is the New Black, just, you know, in in, a, in about a week or so. So let me go ahead and take advantage of this picture." And first, she was a, a little bit hesitant, but I think I. I uh, somewhat charmed her into a picture really fast because I asked very nicely. There you go. Now, and she's been a <laughs> she's been a fan of the Kill UFC for kindness. a long time. I mean, we we saw her at events way back in the day. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. See, see, I didn't know. I, I, I remember. I know that that wasn't her her first fight that I've seen her at. Um, but yeah, I thought she was just starting to get into it. But um, yeah, now that you kind of point that out, that's awesome to see. Like the, I'm starting to see the regular celebrities. You know, the Arnold, of course, Mike Tyson and, and Dana are really buddies. But uh, to have have uh, her out here is, is something special. That's cool. That's really cool. For sure. Now, are you able to? Do you just hit up the events in Vegas, or do you travel with the company as well? No. Um, so being that I'm I'm only responsible for sales in the U.S., I only do uh, kind of Vegas events and we're uh, our department our partnerships department is about 20 25 people so uh, i don't travel to like the chicago's or anything like that i just do the vegas events which i'm perfectly fine with it gives me um, some weekends to, to kind of relax you know because we have so many events so i don't i don't argue there for sure and vegas and- being our our, our tentpole event that those are the fun ones that's what i was gonna say is vegas does hold <laughs> some of the biggest events anyways <laughs> right exactly can't argue there no now let's talk social cookie this is this is your new endeavor um i saw when you put it up it was sort of a teaser thing you had a kickstarter campaign just tell everyone what social cookie really is yeah so um you know just a, a quick backstory i i love cookies you know that's just i've been a passion all throughout my life while on the bachelor bachelorette and best from paradise you know everyone kind of knew that i was just kind of the, the cookie monster i used to joke with the producers about owning my own cookie shop one day so uh when i got back and social media kind of blew up it kind of sparked an idea i said you know what? i'm gonna marry cookies with social media and and that social environment social aspect that we have today um, just because one, I've been kind of known as somewhat of a social butterfly. I just like to talk to people. So I want to connect people through my cookies. So how am I going to do that? I said, okay, I will try to start, um, you know, marketing our cookies as the first social media inspired treat. But basically all we're going to do is look to social media, look to, to fans and customers and allow them to vote on a new recipe or, uh, a trending topic, you know, so I, I definitely wanted to always be charitable, always be fun and interactive. So for example, on the charity side, if it's breast cancer awareness month, we'll come out with a pink cookie and a portion of the proceeds will go to that cause. Or because I like movies or something, I may go around and just interview people on, on my little iPhone and say, Hey, when you go to the movies, what kind of snack do you eat? And they say popcorn or M&Ms or you know, red vines or something like that. And now I said, okay, we're going to go ahead and create a cookie off of that <laughs> and sell it for a limited time. So I may make a, a popcorn cookie. Oh, wow. Right. And just, and just, yeah, just make it kind of a, a cinema style uh, cookie. So definitely just always changing, but um, I've always been, you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit, right? I go to the same restaurants, uh, same places, you name it. But not one that I've been to uh, has a has a menu that's based on social media that allows people to create the menu. You know, typically the chef creates the menu and it's just fancy chef and, you know, it's just kind of a standard menu and never changes, stays the same. But I want to be just the opposite. I want to always change our menu. I want to allow people to to choose what we create. 
So, so that's this, what social cookies about. So is this strictly in Vegas or people can order these online or, or what's the deal with, with the storefront? Right. So, so our, our current, current status is, uh, we just, uh, started a commissary kitchen, right? So we're baking out of there and we will be doing, we'll be launching probably around October 1st is our kind of tentative, uh, order launch date to where, People from all over the country, uh, I'm thinking about international, uh, can order cookies. But right now, our focus is Vegas. I want it to be very Vegas-centric. You know, I want to be known as kind of a Vegas-based cookie company. Um, And obviously, you know, within the the year or so, the ultimate goal is to have just a gourmet cookie lounge where we're selling cookies, milk, wine, coffee, and tea, really small, like a downtown Vegas feel. And uh, again, just going back to that social atmosphere, right? I just want people to hang out and eat some cookies, you know, and 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 have fun with it. So we'll be we'll be up online, uh, ready to sell probably uh, October first. Nice. Now, did these get tested in the different flavors and and whatnot? Get tested in the UFC office? Oh, you better believe it. So, <laughs> um, that, that, that's the great thing about the UFC is, uh, you know, Dana and Lorenzo has, has made. UFC culture, just a fun culture to work for. You know, we work very, very hard, uh, but we also play very hard as, as well. And uh, they're totally fine with, with me kind of taste testing or using our employees, you know, my, my coworkers as, as taste testers. So I'll come out with a new flavor and I'll bring in some cookies to my coworkers and say, hey, taste this. Let me know what you think. Does it need more of this and more of that. They'll give me their feedback, and I'm back to the kitchen, you know, at, at midnight and uh, re- refining that. So once I get Dana, um, Dana's kind of signature cookie nailed down, that's when I, I know I've arrived in the UFC space as a cookie cookie guy. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think in your head right now that, that his signature cookie would be? Um, shoot, man, like I was just, uh, we just did a make a wish event, uh, during international fight weekend, which social cookie was, uh, a part of, and, um, it was, it was very much so Dana's event to where he visit, uh, the make a wish foundation of Southern Nevada. And we had our cookies there. And one of the kids that actually asked him, like, Hey, what, what's your, what, what's your favorite kind of sweet? And he just loves everything. He likes candy. So what I'll probably do is go to him and ask him, uh, you know, hey, what's your favorite candy? I think I think his favorite candy is Red Hots, maybe, or Mike and Ike's, something <laughs> like that. So I may put that into a cookie and and see how it tastes. Uh, I do know, um, not directly, but indirectly, he's gotten a hold of our Cinnabon uh, cookie, which is basically like kind of a cinnamon sandwich cookie oh, with boy. like a cream cheese filling it's amazing i'll have to send you some that's like our 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 go-to like everyone raves about it he loves that he loves that cookie so oh, it's not his you got me drooling right now his <laughs> yeah right no seriously I, i'm telling you it, it's a game changer for sure I didn't want to talk much uh, Bachelorette or anything with you, but th- with the season that's oh, on TV good, yeah. right now, just wrapping up a little bit, did, did you keep up with it? Um, not as not as much as I used to, uh, to to be honest. I think that um, I just I just couldn't really relate to too many things other than me being on it uh, in the past and kind of understand. But 
you know, um, everyone everyone seems to like the show. I think it's a, a little different format. Obviously, they started with the two bachelorettes and then went on from there. And I know there's a lot of drama. Uh, one thing that kind of drew me in was was Nick, uh, who was from my season. He he got on there, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not sure what episode they're on right now. I think they just did the reunion, right? Yeah, they did. But the, Nick, yeah. Nick is part of the final three or two. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Interesting to see. I, I know wherever Nick is, some sort of uh, drama ensues. So I'm sure the viewers are taking a liking to it, <laughs> or just hate them in general. <laughs> so I, I noticed that, and, and I hate to be that guy that oh, talking about no. the Bachelorette or whatever. But no, that, I'm cool. I, a lot I talk of, about it all the time. There you go. A lot of a lot of it, they seem like a family almost. I mean, we saw Caitlin and, and Nick, they, they were tweeting with each other, and that's how he ended up realizing that he wanted to be on the show. And then there's the Bachelor Pad or Bachelor in Paradise or whatever, where all these people come back and, and reunite. It seems like sort of a tight-knit family with those guys and Chris Harrison. Are, are you sort of on the outskirts of that now? Um, You know, it, it definitely is. Like, once you're a part of of the the bachelor franchise um you're kind of in it for the, you know and and everyone kind of looks out for one another at least you know the the producers and chris harrison's awesome um you know but but they're all great but people look at it as hey some people treat it like a frat or fraternity you know yeah, <laughs> where yeah. they're kind of you know always wanted to be around all the different events and and all that good stuff. And uh, me, my personality, I'm more kind of reserved and on the outskirts, you know, kind of by choice, just because I, I never try to overstep my boundaries or, or, or make it look like I'm just trying to, you know, leverage every little piece um, of, of reality time I, I, I've been afforded. Uh, so, you know, I try to keep a healthy just relationship, but you know, I'm I'm very busy with with work, and you know, sometimes I think, gosh, how do these guys get so much time, like you know, <laughs> to be involved with this stuff? I'm like, I don't have time to do any of that. Uh, but you know, hey, it, it's definitely definitely a, a family. I think I'm I'm kind of one of those distant relatives, if you will. But you know, I don't think it's no ill ill will towards me. I don't have any ill will towards them. They've always treated me right and uh, very nicely, and given me cookies and. <laughs> and they text me and, and check in. Uh, I actually talked to Chris Harrison not too long ago. Um, so he, he's, he, he's good. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to see them or, or you'll be able to see me sometime soon. Nice. Now, finally, I, I know you got to get going. You got you got a travel schedule on your hands here, yeah. but I want to yeah. ask you that you're part of the UFC sales team. You said you're up in a managerial position now. How has the whole Reebok deal affected the sales side of things? Uh, well, actually, um, the the Reebok deal was in a pill. That's a, a licensing deal. Um, and from my end, because I'm in, you know, more of the, the partnership side, it hasn't had really any effect. Um, I deal with the, you know, Harley Davidsons of the world or, uh, the Budweiser, that's our, our side, and, and the Reebok deal, which I think is, is a great deal. You know, some may think otherwise, obviously. You know, I think it's no secret that some of the fighters, you know, um, 
thought thought otherwise. But for the sport, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of the UFC, uh, and that's what I sell on a day to day basis. I don't, you know, sell the the fighters per se. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think clearly our sport is a global sport, and uh, we're very very fast growing. Um, you know, and, and I think change is is great and people for people when they adapt to that change it all differs so i think in in a short amount of time everyone will be on the same page and and everyone will see uh the value in it you know so i'm i just i just believe in in the the reebok deal and that hey we we made a decision to you know take our sport to the next level yeah, for you know, sure. The, the rest of the stuff will will come. So yeah, I that's think that's how I kind of view the the Reebok deal. Yeah, I think that I think a lot of the the negativity was towards not knowing what exactly the fighters were going to get. That the people and media were thinking that it would take away from from the livelihoods of these fighters, and and from a from a perspective of looking at the fighters inside the cage and and walking to the octagon and whatnot. It definitely looks a lot better than having these NASCAR-style sponsorships all over themselves. Right, right, exactly. And and I know, kind of, when you're in the octagon, you know, this is kind of how I, I described it um, before. You know, it seems like it's 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 individuals, right? You're just fighting for yourself. You know, the NASCAR mentality. You know, hey, you have Condom Depot on you, and you have you know, whomever else sponsor on you and, and that's fine and you're, you're getting paid and everything. But at the end of the day, you know, this is mixed martial arts. There is a certain type of, of, of respect and discipline that all these fighters have in common. Right. Right. So uh, I just think that for them to really understand it, it's just going to take time. Yeah. Like they just look better. You know, I, I just feel that they all look clean and, and respectable. I think our fans have a different perception of our fighters. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's a much cleaner look. Yeah. Like back in the day when I used to play football, I would love to tape up my face mask and <laughs> wear all these cool wristbands and socks. But it wasn't until our coach came in and said, hey, we're all going to look the same. We're all going to look like a team. You know, that's when, when things started, the perception of, of self no longer mattered. And it was all about the team and the betterment of, of our sport. All right, Markel. Enough is enough. I got to let you go. I mean, I know, as I said, I, I wanted to only hold you to about 20 minutes. We've gone over that. Uh, but just let people know where they can get a hold of you, social media, universe, and as well as social cookie. Right. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your time, Jeremy, as usual. had a great time. Uh, if anyone wants to follow me on social media, my Instagram is Markel underscore Martin. Markel spelled M-A-R-Q-U-E-L. And Social Cookie, please follow us on Instagram at Social Cookie LV. Thanks, Markel. And I'm going to have to hold you to sending me some of those uh, Cinnabon cookies, buddy. <laughs> Cinnabon cookies, you got it, my man. Well, that was fun. I had a blast on this episode, actually. Uh, I got to welcome back Markel Martin, a guy that, as I said at the beginning of the interview, I didn't expect to have him back on the show because, you know, I had him on as sort of that that guy 
that was from The Bachelorette. I thought I could get a piece out of him. And and uh, as it turns out, we, we've become friends. We text back and forth. We chat online and and whatnot. And I, I, I thought it was cool because he, he gets to go to the UFCs in Vegas as he works for the company and sort of get his perspective on the live UFC events in Vegas, UFC 189 he was at, which was an absolute spectacle, and it was awesome to talk to him about his new company, Social Cookie, which he said hopefully is going to launch in October, November, so keep an eye out, Social Cookie LV is their Twitter handle, and thank you to Tyler Melee Minton for giving us such an awesome background on on his story of, of getting into mixed martial arts and and how he is he differs in the nutrition scene from the guys like Mike Dolce and George Lockhart and, and these guys. So thanks to him for joining the show. Thank you to Iridium Sports for hooking up that interview with Tyler Minton. And good luck to his guys this Saturday night live in Chicago, James Krause and Zach Cummings. These guys both fighting on that card. So good luck to those two guys. Not much else going on on this end. As I said, I'm going to talk about Battlefield Fight League 37. Um, unfortunately, a few fights have uh, dropped from this card. The main event, which was supposed to be between Jeremy J.B.C. Kennedy putting his his title on the line against uh, Kyle Nelson, that fight fell through as, as J.B.C. had to pull out due to a hamstring injury, which occurred down at Team Alpha Male, where both these guys were training, which is quite interesting. So taking over the main event slot, the middleweight title is up for grabs as Ryan Janes takes on Brendan Kornberger. Kornberger, uh, we played an interview that we had with him on last week's episode. He'll be making his BFL debut. The guy has proven himself outside of the battlefield cage. Now it's his time to prove it inside the Battlefield Fight League cage. Also on this card, Dan Kajic takes on David Perron in what could be a number one contender's fight in uh, in the in the welterweight division, and uh, we'll see how that fight plays out. Gary Manget, who I had an awesome interview with, which is featured over on our YouTube page, um, that was last week that I had an interview with him. His fight for Super Fight League fell out, so his home at Battlefield Fight League played into his favor, and he takes on American Damon Wood, who is also 0-0 under the Battlefield Fight League banner. A couple other fights I wanted to talk about. Curtis Harriet takes on Ryan Ballingal. That should be a good one. It's Harriet's pro debut. You guys might not know who he is, but he had an absolutely stellar amateur career, so keep an eye out for the name Curtis Harriet. Sean Albrecht, the five-star champion steps inside the Battlefield Fight League cage against Tristan Connolly. This guy was... Connolly trains out of uh, Adam Ryan's gym. We had a YouTube feature as well. Not about him, but about his training partner, Arjan Bular, who was supposed to be on this card, but his opponent fell out due to injury, and, and that fight is no longer on the card. So Saturday night, Saturday, July 25th, same night as UFC on Fox 16, but if you're in the lower mainland area and you can handle a trek out to Coquitlam, B.C., the Hard Rock Casino out there is what you guys need to be at, or where you guys need to be at. BFL Fight Night 37 goes down from the Hard Rock Casino in Coquitlam. That's about it on this end. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com. These guys have all championship belt needs. They got some serious sales going on. I saw on their Facebook page, 
check out Pro-Am Belts. Just type it in the Facebook search engine and uh, they'll come up. They got some great deals. I think I saw a $79 custom belt, which... Uh, heck, you couldn't buy that at a at a at a store where you buy uh, regular belts to hold up your pants. So if you want a belt, a championship belt that you can put around your waist, whether you're wearing it down the street in your bedroom, as I said, with the lights off, that thing could be glimmering. <laughs> Proambelts.com, check them out. Make sure you like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucka. Follow us on Twitter at MMA Sucka. Follow myself on Twitter at Jeremy Brand 604. And with that, I am out. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brand, as we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans in this magnanimous. Jury's out decision, and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.